0: This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And
1: I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Tuesday the 14th of September 2021.
0: And Norman, throughout this pandemic, there's there's been these two dueling ideas. One is that, of course, we need to get a vaccine developed and out there and safe and effective. We've got that. And we need to get as many people vaccinated as possible. And then on the other hand, even quite early in the pandemic, we heard the head of the WHO saying that vaccination is not a silver bullet. We keep hearing experts and epidemiologists telling us that vaccination alone isn't enough to get us out of this pandemic, which is a bit demoralising when we are trying very hard to get out of this pandemic with vaccination. And now there's a a newly formed group of experts in Australia who have come together to provide insights on these sorts of things. And the first thing that they've decided to provide insights on is the combination of interventions that could be used along with vaccination to give us a bit of an idea of what our new COVID normal could look like.
1: So first of all, the group called OzSage, they're kind of they're modelling themselves... On a group in Britain called Independent Sage. Um, and this it's a group of people who really know what they're talking about, people like Professor Ryan McIntyre, uh, Brendan Crabb from the Burnett and others. Um, and they are, they've are they come together to provide independent advice, independent of government, government funding and so on. And, and this, this particular advice could be seen on one side as depressing, but on the other side, it's actually quite positive. The core thing that they say is that This could be like measles, eventually, where it's under control and you actually do have herd immunity. And the basis on which they say that is that there are second-generation vaccines on the way. Those vaccines will be better than the existing vaccines because they won't get on the market unless they are. And that means more effective, more adaptable, uh, more powerful in producing an antibody response. And the current vaccines are pretty good, but the next ones will be even better. Plus, if you take other measures, they say, in a short to medium-term approach, that will help too. And those are particularly to do with ventilation. In other words, getting over this, recognising this is airborne spread, like other respiratory viruses, and actually breathing clean air inside and having audits and plans afoot to improve air quality in indoor environments. So those are two of the, the pillars that they're talking about. And in the meantime, they're talking about Vaccine Plus, which is really making sure that you've got other measures in place, contact tracing, masks, and other social distancing measures like lockdown occasionally and so on, to really hold the fort until we get there. So the final two pillars of moving forward until we really get more potent prevention in terms of uh, vaccines is making sure that all population subgroups are covered. So that if we say there's a 70% average coverage of everybody with two vaccines, then what's within that average? How are Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities going? How about people who live in regional Australia? Particular disadvantaged groups? And how are we going to move forward for children and protecting children? And having a, a good understanding of what coverage is there and making sure that it's that those, particularly the disadvantaged groups, are well covered. And that means um, having data from the Commonwealth and the state governments, which show what vaccination rates are within those communities.
0: Because we did hear over the last couple of days that Singapore has reached that storied 80% vaccination rate, and they're still dealing with outbreaks. So that's really kind of a bit of a glimpse to the future of, okay, vaccination, definitely hugely important, really, really protective, but not probably enough on its own to to throttle this pandemic at the scale that it's at.
1: No, and Singapore has a pretty tight control of things and they do have social distancing measures in place. They've never really relaxed them fully and they're really very, very careful. And they're also concerned because this is the final pillar of what the offstage groups is talking about is protecting our healthcare system, is really making sure that the healthcare system's got the capacity to deal with the surge of cases. And they're also worried about children. If that surge gets too big then even though it's rare for children to get into trouble, if the surge is big enough, you will have a flow-through effect to children. And 7.4% of children can get long COVID. If you get an infection with COVID, some will end up in ICU. It's not something to panic about, but if we do have lots of infections in the community and really relax, some children will suffer.
0: Yeah, we need to use every tool at our disposal to, to keep this in check.
1: Yep, and as soon as we can... Get a vaccine for under 12 year olds approved. So, Tegan, last night on the health report, you covered an interesting report from the AIHW, the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare looking at the data from the last year or so of the COVID-19 pandemic.
0: Exactly. So we had Dr. Linnell Moon on last night talking about basically the first year of the pandemic in Australia. So from April 2020 to April 2021. And of course, that doesn't take into consideration the last six months that we've lived through, which has really been a ramping up. But it was really interesting to get that snapshot of what the pandemic was like in Australia, what it could have been like if we'd compared ourselves with other countries that we often do align with, and then the sorts of groups that were left behind. So I think we already know, and we've talked about this a lot on this podcast, about how little Australia has been touched in terms of actual disease and death from COVID-19 compared to other countries. And Linnell Moon uh, talked about Canada, Sweden, and the United Kingdom as countries that have similar similar demographic profiles to Australia, similar levels of people over the age of 65 and similar healthcare systems. And if we had had the same rough case and death rates as them, we would have had up to 2 million cases uh, and up to 48,000 deaths. So I don't think you can put that to one side, but within what we did have, there have been certain groups that have had more rates of severe disease and death from COVID, even within the the lower numbers that we've had. And basically, they're, they're often people who are living... residential aged care facilities, it's people in the lowest socioeconomic areas, Um, they were 2.6 times more likely to die from COVID than people living in the highest socioeconomic areas. And then since vaccines have started rolling out, they're also underrepresented in vaccination. So even though this is looking back in time and the pandemic's quite different here now to the way it was in April, it definitely has some really key insights for us in how we continue to ensure equality across the Australian population moving forward.
1: And if you want to hear more about that, you can go to the Health Report podcast on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Yes, you can. So let's look around at what's happening in Australia right now, Norman. In New South Wales, we're really seeing the virus spreading beyond city, uh, the city of Sydney.
1: Yes, it's circling back um, and is now in central Sydney and other areas which are not within the 12 LGAs. What's interesting is that they have not locked down those new areas, the way they locked down the 12 LGAs, which I suspect is going to create some resentment in uh, those 12 LGAs. And it shows you that the 12 LGA policy is not necessarily that, that effective. And the growth rate, reportedly, in some of those areas that the virus has circled back to and spread to is faster than in those LGAs where the the rates seem to be tailing off. The news from Victoria is um, not great. I mean, they're doing really well with vaccination, fantastically well with AZ vaccination in their state-based clinics but they do reportedly have a reproduction effective reproduction number of 1.7 and just to give you an idea of what that means if you if you had 10 cases after 4 or 5 days that's the replication cycle of the virus you're at 17 and that becomes the basis for your next growth period so after 4 or 5 days it becomes 28 then 49 so if you take Sunday's figures of 369 cases after 4 or 5 days at an rf of 1.7, it's 627 cases. After another four or five days, it's over 1,000 cases. After another four or five days, it's 1,800 cases. So it really starts to ramp up and could exceed New South Wales because if it gets to 1812 in four, eight, 12, maybe half a month or three weeks, that's what they're really scared about. And the problem here in Victoria is it's not the fault of anybody, but there were. They're still not sure how many sources of this outbreak. There's been two, maybe three, and it's quite likely there's been hidden chains of transmission which have just popped up, and they're dealing with essentially wildfires on a, on many fronts.
0: I mean, we're not epidemiologists, but that does give you a pretty a rough idea of how quickly this thing can spin out of control. What else could Victoria be doing, though, Norman, to to bring that effective reproduction number down when they're already in lockdowns?
1: So you've got a very infectious virus. Probably you cannot get Victorians to lockdown any more than they are, but it's not as much as they were were complying with lockdown this time last year. And it's the same in New South Wales. And that's not enough for the Delta variant. So what we've got this year is the vaccine. And it's a race against the effective reproduction number is actually to get essentially the vaccine rates are not going up exponentially. They're going up steadily, arithmetically, additive each day, not multiplying. And that's um, got to catch up with the um, the exponential growth. Eventually it will and start to bend the curve. And it's at what point and at what in, with what impact on the healthcare system.
0: I mean, to Victoria's credit, they really are vaccinating people at a, a fantastic rate. So hopefully that catches up soon. Yep.
1: And we'll certainly be reporting on it.
0: We'll see you tomorrow.
1: See you then.